Listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participants, employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. All right, Stomping Jen. We had a little disco party to yeah. read disclaimer. Our guest this <laughs> week for episode 105 of the Soft Serve podcast is Jason Montgomery from Attack Bear Press. He's coming back. Yep. And he's going to talk to us about a really cool project that he and Attack Bear Press are working on. It's the Community Ofrenda Project in Holyoke, Massachusetts. So we're going to hear about that. Cool. On the other side of the music, okay? Okay. And we'll say hi to Jason. Okay. 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 All right. All right. The Soft Serve Podcast. Creamy. Delicious ideas without the creepy truck. All right, Stomping Jen. Yes. Here we are. We are. Episode 105. It feels like just yesterday (laughs) we were recording. How can that be? I don't know. But without further ado, let's welcome our guest. We introduced him on the front side of the music. It's Jason Montgomery from Attack Bear Press. Hi, Jason. Howdy, hola, hoka, hello. How's everyone this evening? Excellent. We're doing okay. Yeah. Um, thanks for joining us. When I saw this project you're working on, I got really excited. Um, mm-hmm. It's the 2020 Community Ofrenda Project that um, your organization, Attack Bear Press, is sponsoring. Uh, yeah, so it is the the 2020, the second annual Holyoke Community Ofrenda. Um, this year, uh, we are we are producing it. Um, it is actually being uh, funded and sponsored by uh, the New England Foundation for the Arts. Um, we received a very, very generous grant from the folks there for their spatial um, justice public art initiative. And um, so, yeah, that that really allows us to do this again this year. You know, like I said, this is the second annual um, it isn't just Attack Bear Press. Um, we are also working with uh, Deftali Duran of the mm-hmm. iCollective. Uh, we're also working with uh, Johan Rashivega of Holyoke Media and Radio Plasma. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of actual people are, are have come together. Um, Diane Alvarez is lending us a couple songs. Um, you know, we have the folks from um, uh, Cottage Cellar um, who... who another arts group spencer crockett and jen oliver who are actually doing the physical like set design and construction i mean it's just Mm -hmm. it it, it's a it's a very volunteer and community-based um ceremony is really what i've been calling it um you know for those who are not familiar with an ofrenda i mean i'd love to talk about kind of what it is what its history is um all that good stuff uh because it's 
complicated and and incredibly like um you know it, it it's <laughs> when you're when you start talking about the ofrenda um here in Holyoke, you know, people are automatically, you know, going to start thinking of uh, Dia de Muertos, um, Dia de los Muertos, um, depending on, you know, what you call it. Um, and it's as soon as you introduce that holiday in the mix, things get really complicated really fast. <laughs> okay. And we do have a, we do have a bunch of questions about that and we can tackle that yeah. in whatever way and tease out the complexity and however you want. Yeah. I'm, and I'm, and I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on all of that. Um, before we kind of dive into that pot of marigolds, um, I want to, See my reference there, yes, Stomping I Jen. Saw your yeah, that's, there. that was really good. <laughs> thank you. Um, um, now, even though this is your third or fourth appearance with us, and thanks again, yeah. um, we loved we love talking with you. Um, some people hearing this for the first time might not know what Attack Bear Press is, so maybe if you could just talk uh, a little bit about what Attack Bear Press is, I think that would be good for people. Uh, yeah, so Attack Bear Press is a arts collective that was founded in 2016 by myself, uh, by illustrator Jen Wagner, and by uh, poet and typewriter enthusiast uh, uh, Alexandra Wolner. Uh, we are a group of artists um, that come together to do a variety of projects in a couple in more than a few different spheres. Um, we call ourselves a press, but we really are more of a studio at this point. Um, we are pressing some things and, um, you know, shameless plugs. We actually have two, uh, two different chat books coming out under the attack bear press kind of, um, brand or, or press. Uh, there will be, uh, the one from Nicole Young and the workshop group that she put together, uh, for individuals of the world majority, but U S minority, um, the locating me chat book will be out in around December. Cool. There's also going to be a chat book coming out from one, Mr. Adam Grabowski. Um, Adam Grabowski is a local poet, um, who for the last two years has, um, been one of our poets on demand and our poetry on demand. Uh, we send poets out into the world with typewriters and people walk up and they ask for a poem and the poet produces them. So Adam has actually compiled all of those poems, oh, cool. some of which happened in Belchertown, mm -hmm. um, and is putting them out in a chat book. And so, um, that book will be launched, I believe, a in, in the next like two weeks. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Congrats. So, yeah. Yeah. No, th no, no, it's great. Um, you know, I just, I'm happy to be able to like announce that guy coming out because it's mm -hmm. been a project that we've been jazzed to be a part of both of both of the projects are, but Adams, um, you know, because it, it, it rolls right so well into like one of our next big sections of what we do, which is public arts and engagement. Um, you know, the, the poetry on demand aspect has been a project that's been ongoing. And I guess you could say that like the, the ofrenda is part of the public arts and, and engagement, but we really think of it more as like a cultural arts event. Mm -hmm. um, we do a, um, some fine artists who work for us um, and work with us. So we do do gallery shows. Um, we oh God, we do a lot of nonsense. We're just a, <laughs> You're busy. A general, 
Yeah. We're, we stay busy. Um, you know, we really believe in, in thrive or die. Um, you know, and we, I mean, it's, it's tough right now to be an artist and we're trying to provide as many opportunities for artists. You know, we have the, um, poems at home express poetry project going and, there's just, you know, we're trying to, to do as much as we possibly can right now, because a big part of what we, we believe in is, is not just arts, but arts for justice. And, you know, so we try to provide as many opportunities uh, for other BIPOC artists as we can. Um, and just, you know, we, we're, we're always doing something we're, we're always doing something. Yeah. And which, you know, um, brings us to one of the reasons we're talking tonight, which which is the the 2020 Community Ofrenda Project, and yes. you were talking a little bit before about um, ofrendas and um, how they intersect maybe with um, Dia de los Muertos, and can you talk a little bit about what an ofrenda is? Okay. Yeah. Um. So an an ofrenda is um kind of the center of the 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 dia de dia de muertos or dia de los muertos depending on your your because dia de los muertos was like an angleization of mm. dia de muertos um but it's it's become the let, let's be let's be real for real it's become the brand um you know and so uh is there a better is, of, is there a better way for mm-hmm. us to be representing it here should we say uh, dia yeah, de muertos it, it, yeah uh, Dia de los Muertos is fine. Um, you know, it's it's all good in the hood. Like as we talk more about this too, you'll see like how like really it, this is such a complicated holiday and such a complicated like spiritual and cultural event that like it, it, any anywhere you kind of pick, it's going to get weird. <laughs> so don't. <laughs> okay. I mean, you might as well just jump right into the weirdness. Okay. Um, so an ofrenda is is it's an altar. Um, these altars are normally built in um, people who celebrate the holidays home. Um, they are they you can trace their lineage back to um, a couple different indigenous groups um, throughout southern and central Mexico, primarily um, you know primarily Aztec Mexitec um, uh, groups. Um, the idea is that once a year, uh, the 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 god of the underworld, whose name I will not, I'm not even gonna like, I'll butcher it. It's uh, Mecha Tikal, um, who is the queen of the underworld, um, opens the gates from the underworld to the the world, and the spirits of our our departed um, are free to walk the earth. I mean, and that's. You know, there's a lot more to it than that, but that's mm-hmm. a that's a good kind of basic principle um, to work from. And so, you know, the idea is you build these altars in in your home to entice and to welcome the spirits back to you, so that you can be with your ancestors and you can be with your loved ones, and you can, um, you know, celebrate their lives and remember them and. You know, it's it, it's it's not just like a metaphoric memory, though. It is a it is a actual. They are actually here with us, and you know, hence the reason for some of the things you'll see on a traditional altar. Um, 
a traditional altar is broken into three levels. Um, the top level is usually a photograph of the, the individuals or individual that you're, you know, trying to welcome back in. The next level will have um, usually things that 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 person enjoyed in life, um, you know, uh, foods, tobacco, liquor, toys, candy. Um, and then the, the third level will usually be candles. Um, some some traditional altars or some people insist on putting uh, a basin of water. Um, usually water is incorporated somewhere into mm -hmm. the altar um, so that they can clean themselves from the underworld when they get back. Um, so these altars um, were part of kind of the longstanding indigenous uh, spiritual practices. And what we what we have now is um essentially like indigenous people doing what all of us indigenous people do and that is like responding to colonization and so you know when when the spanish came to mexico and really introduced christianity um a lot of these practices went deep, deep underground because a lot of the spirituality, a lot of this religion, a lot of these religious practices could not actually be legally practiced. Mm -hmm. And so you see, um, you know, there you see this holiday and All Saints Day kind of lining up together. Um, you see the practices of like the incorporation of uh Christian iconography, Christian symbols, um, you know, it was all a way to, to hide these spiritual practices and to like deal with, with the colonization from the Spanish. Um, and, you know, it's funny because like, that's, that's like the starting point of complication yeah. for, for this holiday. <laughs> yeah. And all, um, all yeah. saints day is the, uh, and I'm not, I was not raised, um, in a Christian environment. So I'm I'm asking this out of true ignorance. Mm -hmm. um, All Saints Day is is that November first, and yeah, and that uh, okay. Yeah, that's November first, and so I was I was brought up Mexican Catholic. Um, you know, it's funny my my partner and I were literally just talking about my my nephew going to Sunday school. And like how, you know, he's in Sunday school now and this, that, and the other. And, and I was like, well, yeah, I don't get it. And then I was like, wait, I went to church like every single day. As a kid. <laughs> like, you know, you, it's like, oh, I forgot I'm Catholic, <laughs> which I think is like the, 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 the Mexican, the Chicano, like, like Catholicism, like, oh yeah, crap. I, I did that. I was an altar boy, <laughs> kind of blocked that whole thing out. Um, but yeah, no, it's, um, it, it all saints day. Um, and, and a lot of, especially a lot of like Northern Mexican, um, Mexican people. Uh, and I don't just mean Northern Mexico as it exists now, but also Northern Mexico as it existed, um, you know, during both the, when it was Alta California during the Spanish uh, and Mexican eras, and then, you know, what is now the Southwest of the United States, you know, this All Saints Day represented a more important holiday to most of those groups because you had, um, you know, we, we, we like to forget, but like Mexico has like 20 different 
um, indigenous, like in indigenous nations of people. Um, you know, it's not just all like Mayans and Aztecs. Like there is a broad, broad and diverse tapestry of indigenous folks who, some of whom like had no connection to the, the spiritual practices that we see in Dia de Muertos, um, and, until the 20th century. I mean, it was just not a thing you did. And there was actually pushback from a lot of, um, you know, more, more classically Catholic communities saying like, oh, no, like, gross. Like, that's, that's not how we practice spirituality. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's funny kind of when we started this whole journey with this, you know, my, my introduction to all of this was not in any way, shape or form of this being kind of like a home thing you did. Like there were, there were connected, there were connected elements, like, especially around the all saints stuff, you know, because that would be the day that you may go, you may go to the funeral or the, the cemetery, you may clean off everyone's headstones, make sure the flowers are changed over, but it was definitely not what we see as it as what as what we see and what we're doing that was that came much later for me personally Mm -hmm. so Um, so it's not something um you celebrated in your home did you have a friend and a friend in your home when you were growing up no no not when we were growing up um you know and i think that for i would say a lot of chicanos in particular um Mm -hmm. and 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 for the for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to um, utilize the term Chicano, um, Mexican American, and then Mexican, um, uh, and and I'll kind of try to break down like what what we talk about with that. So, um, first off, Mexican is someone from Mexico, like, and it's weird. That, like, it it makes me so mad having grown up like a mile from the U.S. Mexico border you know, a part of my family coming from Mexico mm-hmm. that like, even now when I say Mexican, I, it's like, it feels like I'm saying a dirty word. Like it's like, I, I don't know why I feel that way right now, but like it's so funny. Like, it's like, Oh, like if you put enough stank on it, you become a Trump supporter. And I really right. hate that. Like, <laughs> um, but like, then you have Mexican American, um, and Mexican American is a complicated group. You know, it's folks that, um, maybe have just immigrated from Mexico or maybe are first or second generation, um, from Mexico folks. It, but, but there is an aspect of immigration. Like one part of my family, uh, like grandma Gomez, they would be Mexican American, Mm-hmm. Um, in that, you know, they came from Mexico and brought the traditions of Mexico with them. Um, and then I'll use Chicano and Chicano is, um, at least for me and kind of the communities I've always rolled with Chicano are the folks who, um, were either the indigenous Spanish Mexican mix that were from like California, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, the folks who were part of that colonization, that that wave that washed in of colonization and then receded. And so um, they're there. And I and I identify as, as Chicano, as someone of indigenous Californian descent too. like that. 
when I, when we talk about like, what kind of Mexican are you or what kind of like, I I'm Chicano, I'm from here. Mm -hmm. I'm from the United States. Um, but we have a little bit of Latin flavor, like sprinkled in for fun. Um, and so like for, but for all of those groups interacting with this is, is complex because like I said, you know, um, this is a Southern and central Mexican practice. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, this was not, this was not something that was part of like the overall spiritual practice of, of a lot of Chicanos until, you know, the seventies, really the 1970s. Um, and then it became, it was part of a, an attempt to, to establish a heritage and we can talk about it more, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but it, it, it it is starkly political in in why so many of us do this and use this and are part of this and it's and and kind of the cross culture behind it is is hilarious like i said we talk about it more so i want to answer your questions though like my my <laughs> late night coffee's kicked in so i'm yeah. feeling <laughs> and I mean, one one of the things I'm hearing is um, there's there's a great amount of variability here within um, the United States between um, uh, Mexican Americans and Chicanos who celebrate this holiday. Um, thinking about Mexico, I'm curious. Do you know is is um, uh, Dia de Muertos a national holiday there? Um, so it's funny because the last time I checked there, there were, they were pushing to have it be a national holiday. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those, those things that's really, that really like when you kind of scratch the surface, um, that things get weird and funky about this. So like, you have to imagine like this holiday um, was primarily um, for until oh, I would say till like the sixties and seventies, primarily a very rurally centered mm. and um, and indigenous based holiday. Um, it was not in any way, shape, or form really seen as part of the large scale Mexican identity. Um, God, I would even go further than that. I'd even say like, you don't really start seeing it like really hit part of being like Mexico, like Mexico, Mexico until like the two thousands. And, and like, I talk a little bit more to that because it's weird. Um, like for one, I think one of the things that people need to know about Mexico and like, mind you, I'm not a Mexico expert, um, but what I do know is, you know, there we imagine Mexico as as Americans looking into Mexico, we imagine Mexico to be very homogenous in how it sees itself and mm-hmm. how um, it is ethnically and culturally. And that is so far from the truth. Yeah. Um, it is just I and we also don't think of Mexico like. I think your average, and I'm using the royal we here, I think your average U.S. American thinks of Mexico and thinks of very in, indigenous people, uh, think a lot of Mestec people. And um, 
mestizo people and they think like oh that's it and it's like well no no it this 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 area went under like massive colonization and there is a stratosphere and like you the one of the worst things you can be in mexico is to indio to be too indian and like so the very european mexicans like would not have been celebrating this hall. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it was seen as being something that like rural Indians did. And, you know, but that changed in the 2000s. And yeah. I'm cu- it, it, yeah, I'm curious about yeah. your thoughts about about that. What 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 caused that change? Um, <laughs> well, the, to, to all my like native Mexican brothers and sisters from like <laughs> your, your Northern Chicano cousins, sorry, that's us. Like mm-hmm. it was like, it's funky because like 1978, um, is the first U S uh, Dia de los Muertos holiday celebration. It happens in San Francisco. It's a very political event. It's part of the, um, larger Chicano rights movement. And, uh, there's a March, God, I, I can't life of me. I can't remember the name of the cemetery, but there's a March down to the, the central cemetery in, in San Francisco. There's a celebration and there's an ofrenda created, um, that kind of starts the U S Chicano, like kind of like, I don't want to say obsession, but like interest in this holiday. Um, this goes on to, to various degrees. It starts spreading to different places, it spreads down to LA and El Paso and um, Santa Fe and like Phoenix. It's, it's just kind of going all mm-hmm. over the place. Um, it's always a very political act. Um, uh, even, even now when like you look at like Santa Ana, California, Santa Ana, California, <laughs> um, you see this, like, it's a street fair. It's a straight-up street fair. It's like, someone was like, oh, like, but it is also, if you understand what it means to be Mexican-American or Chicano in the Southwest, you will understand it to be a deeply political act. Um, so what happens around 2000 is... um the University of Mexico City, a group of uh, Chicano-like exchange students, convince a bunch of people in the University of Mexico City to hold a Dia de los Muertos celebration, um, as they had done in the United States. Mm -hmm. And that's where it kind of, like, sparks in Mexico City's mindset around, like, oh, this this is neat, this is political, but it's indigenous, but it's this, but it's that. And like, it's funny, like, you remember the, um, the James Bond movie, um, where it was, it's one of the Daniel Craig who like, he's an ugly, ugly, beautiful man, but there's like the motorcycle chase scene and uh, at the, the Dia de los Muertos parade in Mexico city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that parade didn't exist until that movie came out. That's how incredibly like problematic all this stuff gets when you start looking into it is like Mexico city did not do that. There was a celebration at the university and that was basically it. 
And like, there may have been a couple little pop-ups around the city, but there was nothing that big. Then this movie hits and people are like, oh, Daniel Craig. And (laughs) And like, Mexico's like, oh, money. Let's do that. Like, yeah, this (laughs) is, this is blowing my mind. You're not kidding that it's, that it, that it's complicated and political. Like it's so complicated as, as the, like, as the stereotypical, like ignorant U S American, like I, I, I had assumed that this was a, a holiday that was like deeply important to, um, Mexico and the Mexican people, like for, you know, going back as far as we can remember to everybody. Like it was a, a, a holiday of like very, um, of, of import, like, well, and that's the yeah. thing, like to some, to some people, to some especially yeah. to, to, to people, to Indio people, to, you know, indigenous people of Mexico to like native Mexicans. This was a deeply, deeply important, yeah. I- important act. Mm-hmm. And deeply important ceremony. And like part of like how the three of us, Johan, Neff, and I got together around this is because we felt like there that it was being disrespected. Um, you know, because there you have to imagine like if you were a, a native Mexican um and indigenous Mexican who who had every ounce of your culture heritage language spirituality stripped away from you and you found this way to sneak it back in and to supplement uh, uh, or not supplement but sublimate like this stuff coming the colonial powers coming down and to create something that tied you to to not just like a spiritual practice but the literal like re-entry of your family members yeah. who you have lost back into your home they are literally there yeah. like the like it's deeply meaningful yeah. and like deeply like sacred in that space and so you like why all this stuff is going on around like around the export commoditization commoditization like politicalization adoption appropriation there's still these these groups of people who are practicing this deeply deeply important and vital ritual um and you know it's it's just welcome to the wonderfully messy world of like decolonization because where do we go from here? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, how do we make any of this okay or right or where, you know, how do we deal with something that like has become such, has become such a vital part of so many different people's identities, some for good, some for ill, some, because like it is that like clawing and scratching to maintain and to retain and to protect like mm-hmm. your culture, who you are, where you come from, and your literal loved ones. Like it, it's it's so complex. And do part the, of the reason that yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, I, was just gonna, I was just going to ask. And do the the indigenous um, communities who have been celebrating this all along in that kind of um, deeply meaningful way have they? Um, been able to provide any guidance or su- 
support for kind of the the reawakening of these traditions like more recently in the last 20 years are they are they interested are they saying i'm I'm like really curious maybe what they have to say about this i mean i i don't personally feel comfortable speaking for for any any other indigenous person out there like i mean i feel like Part of the part of the issue is that our voices are usually like, you know, we, you know, folks just don't ask us directly. Um, You know, I think that I think from looking at the outside in, um, especially because like Oaxaca in particular has become very, very hip, not just like not just for these practices, but also for cuisine, for like, just culturally, it's become oddly, like, there is this like rush to, to get down there and to like, to, to exploit that cultural commodity in a way that like, I don't feel super comfortable with. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, if, you know, if someone there is saying like, I, you know, I want to share this. I want to like provide my knowledge, my wisdom. I want to provide an inroad. I'm never going to say no to it. Like I'm never going to be like, they shouldn't do that. Like, so. Yeah. 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 And, and and I think, I, I think, yeah, I think I was, yeah, definitely not asking you to speak for any of those people. Yeah. Just kind of wondering if you were aware of any outreach any of those communities might be kind of doing proactively, um, if, if um, they are doing any at all. And just yeah, me, it's I, just me wondering. I, I, yeah, I, I personally, um, I know that there is stuff, there is like cultural stuff happening and communication happening. So, um, you know, but I think that this is such a deeply personal mm-hmm and local thing that, um, it gets, it gets complex fast. Um, yeah. And in some of my, yeah. yeah, In some of my reading, um, working up to this, I definitely picked that up that even like you were saying, um, there's so much, um, variability, um, amongst cultures within Mexico that, um, you, you will see, um, different ways of practicing this, between um regions or cultures within mexico yeah Um, so there's no one size fits all kind of dia um, de los muertos no there's definitely not and i think that there's that you know it's because it is so you know because it is so so much tied to kind of the the colonization and decolonization process you even see it in other you see iterations of this in other latin american countries like last year when we were doing this we had an individual who i believe i believe they were from chile um and and i apologize to them if they hear this and i'm and i'm making a mistake it's um, but they were there talking about like their expression of, um, of this holiday and how, you know, and I was unaware, I was completely unaware that it was even being practiced that far into Latin America. And so like hearing them talk about it and, you know, also hearing like, 
we had another individual from, I want to say Columbia there who was talking about an iteration and it was so it's, it's fascinating. Like it's, it's personally fascinating to me to see like, wow, this, this is really spread out and become kind of almost part of like the Latin X identity in a weird way. Um, I, I mean, recognizing that there's a great amount of variability in how uh-huh. this um, uh, this is observed, it, is it possible to kind of, I, I, I know when we think of um, um, Dia de los Muertos that we think about it happening across three days. Is there yeah. any way to kind of generalize what happens across those three days and the broadest strokes or is it is that even a stretch too far at this point i mean i think like uh, across the like i think there's there's a way to broad stroke it and that's to say like there's a difference between what happens in the household what what happens at the personal level because this is not just a um a holiday that is celebrated by a community, but it's also a holiday that's celebrated very internally by, by family groups. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, there's the idea that there's the opening, there's the day that like, you know, the, the gates are open that people come back, you know, it's about folks coming together to remember the people, to talk about them, to engage with, their 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 life like and not in the in like the 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 historical term of that word but like in the fullness of that word like Mm -hmm. to engage in the life of an individual to be with them again and so that goes on for several days and you know um then there's the departing um you know which is I, I I was always told it was nighttime on the third day, like on the last day. And that's when the gates are, you know, when the gates are closing. So everyone has to go. So they're ushered out of the home and, you know, the, the friend is closed and the candles are extinguished. Um, so that, you know, they are, no spirits are confused between their Mm -hmm. return to Michelin and you know staying here on earth and so um you know and then there's also the community aspect and that that ranges i mean it it really you know there's processions there's parades there's you know the the santa the santa ana like taco taco throw de los muertos taco throw down i mean it's it 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 can be any number of things in that way whether or not it should be that's a different subject altogether (laughs) but it can be yeah and and in some of my some of my reading I, i definitely picked up that food is very important um yeah and and in these observances. Can you talk a little bit about, about that uh, for us? Um, yeah. So there, there, there are several like traditional foods that um, you would always incorporate onto the, the ofrenda. Um, pan de muerto, like bread of death, bread, bread for death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you would always want to have like pen, usually pen dulce, dulces, candies, um, you know, 
it's also, you know, right around kind of this end of the, the harvest time. So, you know, corn, um, beans, uh, squash, all of these kind of like traditional foods, um, you know, you would want to be there and represented. You want to make sure like, <laughs> it's all the things that people would, you would want if you had been away from home a long time. So, you know, booze, <laughs> like, <laughs> right. if, if you're a drinker, you're going to have booze. Um, you're going to have water. Um, like I said, water is represented somewhere, um, usually on the altar. Um, some people do like a, a basin of water for washing. Some people do a glass of water for drinking, um, because there's no water in, in Michelin, um, mm -hmm. in, in the under, in the Aztec underworld. Um, you know, you, you basically kind of anything and everything that you think that if you're welcoming a loved one home who you haven't seen in a while, you would want them to have. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's presented onto the altar, um, and left there. It's really like, it's, it's really left alone, um, because it's not for you. It's not yours. Um, you'll also see, um, uh, Calveras, um, sugar skulls, um, mm -hmm. You know, you'll see those incorporated a lot, which is, which is funny because like those, those kind of things are not, um, really traditional, um, in the indigenous practices. Um, the use of the skull was actually, and I cannot remember the, uh, political cartoon, uh, cartoonist name, but, uh, a, a, a Mexican political cartoonist had used that, that design, that, that skull and sugar skull design in a political cartoon about essentially European Mexicans, um, eating, eating the poor. And, um, and so it's funny how that's even that aesthetic has worked its way into kind of our image of the holiday huh. when it's like, it's literally a commentary on, on bigotry, racism and colonization. And yet we forget that. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I would say that, that bread is definitely got to be always got to be there. Water's always got to be there. Um, candy, some, something sweet, chocolate, um, something along those lines needs to be there. Water definitely needs to be there. Booze and tobacco. Like those would be like, <laughs> if you want to set up, mm -hmm. you want to set up your friend at home. Um, <laughs> you sell it on a friend at a home kit. Yeah. Oh, Oh my God, that that would be an affront to everything I stand for. Yeah. Probably so incredibly profitable. <laughs> you could find but, it at TJ Maxx or something. But be a friend well, and, and, and the but the idea the but the idea is you're providing those things that right. the your departed loved ones who are coming back right. to visit with you enjoyed. Right. So I am yeah. of course yeah. joking. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like. it's, it's, it's funny that you make that joke though, because that, that kind of commodity, uh, commoditization and commercialization is part of what started us on this journey mm -hmm. to doing the community ofrenda. Um, and you'll notice we actually don't, we don't call it the Dia de los Muertos, like Holy. Mm -hmm. No, we, we, right. we intentionally don't call it that. Um, so I, God, it would probably be about three years now. Um, I was in East Hampton and there had been an ongoing Dia de los Muertos event in East Hampton that was 
you know, I'm not going to bag on the artists themselves, but like it, the, the event was problematic. I mean, to say the least was problematic. Um, and really didn't have any ties to, to the more political actions that I had taken part in um, when I was first introduced to this um, and definitely didn't have any kind of attachments to the indigenous practices in which the event came from. And it was really, I would say it was about three years ago, four years ago that like, the, that being being Latinx got really hip anyway. Like you know, it's it, it started before that, but like it felt to me like that's when you could walk into Target and see like you know Day of the Dead mask from Target only five ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Like you could start seeing these things like being like really prevalent, and it was just fucked up. I mean, it was just like excuse my language, but it was just kind of like such a such a real slap in the face um around all of this stuff because it you know like i talked before about understanding why chicanos and mexican americans throughout the southwest would be really interested in this um practice and why it would speak to something um you know, because our history is very difficult. Like the, it is a very, very difficult and ugly history that is often completely not spoken about in in the U.S. You know, you can start with you know the the end of the U.S. Mexican War and the annexation of the former Alta California states. Like that was not a like. A not a peaceful or a like it it was a bloody and for you know i use this word in every sense of the word it was a genocide like mm-hmm. you know california in particular where i'm from you know and where our people like one part of my people comes from it was a literal state-sponsored genocide that went on from roughly 19, uh, sorry, 18, uh, I think it was 1842 through 1900. Like, mm. you could get 25 bucks for killing a native Californian <sighs> from the U.S. government. Like, there were entire villages massacred. That is so by the time. Up. Yeah, it's so messed up. And you up. never hear is, about that. You you don't. Like no. and and California didn't even acknowledge that this happened until 2019. They did not formally acknowledge that this had occurred until until last year. Like and it 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 was brutal because when the US got to the got to the form got to former Alter California, they were done messing around with natives. They were done with the U.S. was over it, and I say that knowing that this is Indigenous Peoples Day, yeah. and mm-hmm. it's you know by the time by the time manifest destiny, yeah. like they were sick of it. There was going to be no treaties. There was going to be no messing around. And as soon as gold was discovered in California, that was it. Like the population of of native Californian people dropped from two million um, to like thirty thousand, uh, I think within like a ten year period. Oh it God. was 
brutal and as like as ugly a moment in u.s history as you think we would have yeah but then wait there's more because it's it like when we talk about anything i think like folks with folks that happened before like 1900 people are like oh that was so long ago and it's like fool no it wasn't like Mm -hmm. it wasn't that long ago but like then you start seeing like uh, well you see a large like attraction uh the a a large group of of uh, Mexican uh, Mexicans migrating to the United States from about 1900 to about 1930. I think it was about no, it was about 1928. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, and you know they were being sponsored by like U.S. manufacturing companies. They were being sponsored by agriculture. They really wanted Mexican labor to come. Then the stock market crashed, and the United States got real big against Mexicans real, real fast. Mm-hmm. And you had something called uh, the uh, Mexican-American repatriate, repatriation. Um, thanks, Hubert, Herbert Hoover. Um, in which between 2 million to 4 million um, U.S.-born Mexican, Mexican-Americans and Chicanos were sent back to Mexico. Sixty percent, sixty percent of that that two to four million number were were folks who actually were from here, were mm-hmm. U.S. citizens. And it's funny because later, during the Becerra program, um, there are people who came back during the Becerra program to work like to work farm labor who discovered that they were like us citizens who were like, Oh, I'd really like to stay. And they were like, uh, about that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, but what you had was, um, so when, when Mexicans came during that, that 28 year period, they were classified as white under, um, us racial segregation laws. And, um, after that period, uh, there was a case, uh, God, I think it was it was Gonzalez versus the state of California, um, in which a woman of Mexican American descent wanted to marry um, a, a black man, mm-hmm. and um, so all of this stuff is going on with repatriation, uh, and this court case comes up, and in the California Supreme Court, they decide that they can get married because uh, not because they have any problem with interracial marriage in California, but because Mexican Americans aren't white. So like problem solved. Mm. Um, I, I bring up all of this, like really ugly, dirty history because what comes after that is a group of people living in the United States who do not know who they are. Mm. They don't, they, they, you mm. know, they don't know if they're Mexican. They don't know if they're American. They, there's Chicanos who don't like, who are like, I've always been here. Like mm-hmm. there are, there's this, there's this attempt to like erase any kind of, you know, because during the repatriation, like if you went to the hot, if you got hit by a car and your name was Gonzalez and you went to the hospital and you were unconscious, they drag your unconscious ass to the border oh my God. and be like, you're Mexico's problem now. Like, 
And this was the night this went on until like 1936. So, like, you know, this is not that long ago mm-hmm. that this was happening. Um, but like I was saying, like there, there's this huge problem around identity and yeah. like, oh my God, who am I? What am I? I'm not white. Like that is abundantly clear that I am not white unless mm-hmm. I'm white enough to pass. But I'm also like, I cut off from Mexico. There's like this lingering, like cultural heritage from Mexico and from the colonialization of, of Mexico. But, but it's so weird. Like you just don't yeah. know They're right. like, and so from like the sixties through the seventies in particular, like during the, the real Chicano rights, like first wave movement, there is this like desire to connect to something that like, and to find meaning in, in something. Mm -hmm. And so you start looking to the practices of old Mexico and you start saying like, okay, like, how do I define myself against this? How do I like reflect to this? And it, this was all like very familiar in a lot of ways, but also very alien in a yeah. lot of ways. And, and so like during the, the Chicano rights movement, they start like incorporating political action into like um, kind of all of these performative aspects, which were very important to, to the, the movement in general was make sure you're seen make sure you're seen as being not white, mm-hmm. make sure because white was farmers and that was a big problem. Um, so this kind of like ceremony was perfect for that. So they could perform a Dia de los Muertos ceremony, which was alien and macabre and dangerous and definitely not white and not palatable for white people, but a throwback to like Mexico, to a history that you don't really understand, but it was there and it was indigenous and you were part of that larger history, which had been so denied. Um, and at the same time, you had people there who were registering people for bo- to vote, who were helping people sign up for night high school classes, who were like trying to give English courses to to you know like uh, the the campesinos and like just it, it was a political practice, and so you know yeah and that that see, yeah I yeah. said so that comes through yeah. that I, I mean I I'm grateful for your explanation of all of that because you know where where i think where you started was this is political and messy and like that is so <laughs> abundantly evident to me now how even you know how how it's difficult to even answer a question <laughs> about some of this stuff <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know like hey right, like what do you do when your culture is destroyed by the europeans that come right. over on boats and they're just like fuck you all you're uncivilized and right. they don't understand yeah. the culture and it's yeah. like the same story that happened all over the world you know yeah. but just this mm-hmm. version of it and yeah. you know i and think it's made yeah go ahead no i was gonna say and it's made so much more complicated i think for Chicanos in particular and, and folks, Mexican Americans who have been here for a while, 
Like it is made more complicated by the fact that there are multiple colonizations that happened. Mm -hmm. Like there was Spain, Mm -hmm. there was Mexico, and then there was the United States. So you're constantly, you know, the United States, the the joke is, you know, the U S showed up on our back porch, like that, like we didn't come to you, you came to us. Mm -hmm. And so like, you're under this constant, like this constant pressure to, to find a port in the storm and to find a, like somewhere to be and something to be a part of and some like, and a people to stand with because like part of the col- colonial practice is isolate and annihilate. Yeah. And you know, like so. how, how, sorry, I just, I can't no. stop thinking about this concept of like, how did this get so woven into human DNA you know, like you think about, like it started with like religion, you know, like the Christianity and the, you know, uh, the crusades across Europe that like crushed their culture. So they feel so embittered that they went and colonized all these other countries well, and like wiped out their culture because they lost their culture. Yeah, I'm not sure it started. I mean, just to be fair, I'm not sure it started with Christianity. Like we see somebody like um, the Mongols, for example, yeah. right, who did the same thing but across um across asia and the middle east right and then there was like the greeks and the romans you know who enforced their belief systems on people it's just like it's just like the same fucking story over and over and over again genghis khan was a little different in some of of his practices he'd be like i'm giving you this one chance to give up all of your culture and join us join the fold and if you said no then they would totally annihilate you um, I, I just, you know, but you know, but you're right. But th- th- I mean, I think there's something, you know, about human behavior. Um, like I'm watching it being played out again right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, right now, like right now, we are going through. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah right we now. are going through a moment of. I I like to like. It's cultural colonization that's happening again. Like there is this desire to imprint a narrative that um represents a a group that frankly like you know i personally i don't believe they exist not in the the way that like they want to be described and want to describe themselves but like it's it's the same it's exactly the same thing that's been happening forever so yeah you know one thing i'm i'm grappling with and as I'm hearing you talk, I'm not even sure the two are related anymore is like in my mind, um, what we think of as secular Halloween Mm -hmm. was somehow a, um, you know, a, a, an attempt that we see in the Christian playbook to, um, obfuscate, um, the indigenous celebrations around, um, recognizing the dead. Um, but I'm, so I'm kind of, I'm, I'm wondering if you have any insight into the connection between secular Halloween and, um, Dia de Muertos. Is there a connection? Uh, Yeah. I'm really curious about if you know. So I'm going to, I'm going to say full stop. No, like, um, and I say that nicer than I probably said it in years, but like, Full stop. No, they're not related. There is no relation. Um, you know, it's 
they may they may happen around the same time. They may they both they, they both may have skeletons and candy, but like mm-hmm. that doesn't make them in any way shape or re- any way shape or form related. And one of the things that like I really want to make sure that folks understand when they come to take part in in the ofrenda that's happening in Holyoke is this is not alternative Halloween. Mm-hmm. This is not a more spiritual Halloween. This is not like, this is not that like, this is in no way, shape or form that. And, you know, this is, this is first and foremost, an indigenous practice that has deep, deep religious and spiritual meaning for people. This is then a political act that is is being made and a political statement that is being made um, that has a, a tie to political statements going back as long as this has been a thing. Like, so, you know, part of, like I said, part of the reason that we started kind of coming together around this was because there was this kind of weird, like, this weird attempt to make it an alternative version of Halloween. It happened in East Hampton in a way that was not appropriate and in no way, shape or form, I think did justice to the holiday. And then it happens kind of all over the place where you start seeing this like attempt to like fold it into the, like the Halloween kind of world. And I just know, like, no, don't, you don't know, don't need to do that. And like, you know, I know Stump and Jen, um, you were of the Jewish faith. Like Mm -hmm. it, imagine if someone tried to like roll, like, um, I I don't know. I I don't want to say Hanukkah, but that's the easiest. Yeah. Well, it is Hanukkah and Christmas, you know, it's, they happen around the same time. Yeah. Completely different holidays. And when they do, like some people call it Christmaka. Right. Right. Like they, they do this weird, like mashup of the, of the two, you know, as as though, you know, like as though an observant Jew would somehow also celebrate Christmas, Christmas in addition to Hanukkah like it may it's nuts yeah. and, and, and what I'm hearing is it's nuts in the same way maybe people who conflate um, Halloween and yeah. um, Dia de Muertos well I yeah. mean and besides yeah. like you you know you said you made sure to say secular Halloween because actual right. Halloween yeah. is an actual you know um, pagan holiday yeah, <laughs> like a deeply religious pagan holiday for people who practice that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And secular Halloween, like, don't get me wrong, like, I love me some secular Halloween. <laughs> I like it's spooky and like, when, like it's it's a beautiful, wonderful thing where you show up and like, all, like you knock on a door in a scary costume and someone gives you candy instead of shooting you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I, I grew up in the hood, like secular <laughs> Halloween. Like it's like, ah, it's topsy turvy land. Like, yeah. and no one's getting shot tonight. This is great. Yeah. Like it yeah. was funny because like, for me, like growing up in East LA County, like we lived in a really, really bad area and it's beautiful now. It's funny. It's like completely different than when I was growing up, but Halloween, like my, your, my parents would like, here, wear dark clothes, take a bag, go outside. Like, and it's like, 
okay, am I getting kidnapped? Am I getting shot? Like, what's going to happen to me? And it's like, no, 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 mijo. They're going to give you candy. And you're like, I I don't understand adults, but I love candy. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So people listening to this, um, they, um, Dia de Muertos and Halloween are separate things. Do yes. not confuse them. Yes. Um, celebrate your Halloween, but... You know, understand and be respectful of the fact that there's this other thing happening parallel to it yeah. that is not related to it. Yeah. So and, wanna, and it's yeah. yeah. And and not just that, but like and even when you're trying to like honor what you see happening, like you don't need to draw a comparison. Mm-hmm. There's so many people like that I talk to who are like, yeah, and you know what I love about it in, in compared to Halloween is that it's so much more spiritual. It's like, that's like saying, you know what I love about crack compared to apples? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, they're, they're just not the same thing. And so like you, there's no need to compare them at all. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so taking it back to the Ofrenda project, um, who yes. can, who can submit to the um, project? So um, this year, any Lottie Dottie and any damn body, uh, we are actually encouraging. So, so 2020 sucked. 2020 has sucked just all the sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this year, like it's been heavy. It's been deep. It's been hard. And this year when we started like thinking about doing the ofrenda, we were like, what are we going to do? Cause last year we invited like a group of individuals who had ties to, to the, the Latinx community who had in, indigenous ties who we, and we said, you know, come and bring and be a part of. And, you know, that was kind of where we, we held it was like, this is, this is a ritual space for people this year when we started planning, um, we definitely said like, we want to make a statement about 2020. We want to make a statement about COVID. We want to dive into that like political space that has been a part of this practice. Mm -hmm. And we are going to say something because it, this, this year has been hard. And so part of what we wanted to do was make sure that we provided a space for people to come together and celebrate and, celebrate the lives of those who have moved on open that space up for i don't like the term mourning but a space of mourning a space where we can we can all mourn and we can all be unified in in this moment and so we're asking anyone out there in the world to submit a photograph um, for the ofrenda it will be placed on the ofrenda um, you can go to attackbearpress.com, go to submissions, you'll see the Afrenda form, submit a photograph, we will print it up free of charge, and we will make sure that your loved one is represented on this Ofrenda. Mm, that's beautiful. Um, yeah, we really wanted to make sure that that it was that that this space was there for people because yeah. it's just it's necessary and it felt wrong to try to hold hold that tide back. Um, mm-hmm. so we want people to do it. Um, you know, there will obviously be, um, other stuff happening on the ofrenda this year. Um, you know, we have some interesting plans, 
for what's gonna what's gonna go on. Um, you know, the ofrenda itself uh, will be down at the Baustein Building, um, five thirty two Main Street in Holyoke. It will be around the back of the building. Weather permitting, um, this is all exclusive to SoftServe. By the uh, way, we have not we have not discussed our plans for the Ofrenda with anyone outside of the funder and wow. and each other and my cat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow, we're but, we're, uh, we're second to the cat stopping, yes, Jen. Second to the cat. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. No, I, I I'm joking, but we're honored. Thank you. Yeah, we, yeah we appreciate no, no. that. Um, yeah. It, you know, I'm, I'm glad to talk about it. So, um, at least in a little more detail. So, the um, the ofrenda itself will be around the back. You'll you'll see it. Um, we've decided to make it open to the public um, versus putting it in the gallery space because mm-hmm. we do want to be able to provide this space for people to come to see to to honor to invite their you know to to just to this is. This is the community part of the community of Brenda. Mm-hmm. We also um, will be uh, working with the Wisteria Hearst Museum in Holyoke um, yes. and the city of Holyoke. Uh, we will be projecting a video of the ofrenda um, and the individuals who who um, agree to it, who submit their photograph and agree and agree to it. There's a little checkbox. Um, we will be projecting that um, at the Wisteria um, uh, Wisteria Hearst uh, Museum so that it is viewable from the street and from the parking lot. Um, mm. So you'll be able to see this and then it'll run with a recording with two songs from Diana Alvarez. Oh, so, um, so these two sites will both be happening. Um, the Wisteria Hearst will be happening at night um, from about sundown till about 11 o'clock every night. Um, and then uh, the ofrenda will be open to the public 24 hours a day. Um, you know, what we're doing as well is um, because we wanted to make a statement about COVID and we wanted to really, to really kind of say, you know, enough's enough. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're sick of all of this death. And this is from a people who view death as a natural part of life. We're tired of it. Um, So in the actual gallery space, the ready wipe gallery space in the Baustein building at 532 main street, um, we are printing uh, 14,000 cards with skulls wearing masks on them. We will be papering the inside of the gallery space. Um, We'll be covering the floor with marigolds and be placing a bench um, people will be able to register to come in and spend up to eight and a half minutes, um, two people at a time in that space. Each one of those skulls represents 15 people who have lost their life to COVID. Oh, wow. And so, um, you know, it's it's a strange kind of thing to say this, but there's like a, a there's a Mexican game, uh, Loteria. It's like bingo, mm-hmm. um, but the the fourteen, the card for fourteen is La Muerta, and or death. Um, and so when we saw this, we were like fourteen. The math works. So we'll also be playing. Uh, we're also taking fourteen uh, skulls, and we're giving them to individuals through the com- throughout the community um, to paint. Um, then they'll be fired, and they'll be placed on the altar outside. Oh wow! Um, each one of those will represent fifteen thousand people who have lost their life to COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, 
on the final day of the ofrenda, on the closing day, uh, we'll be taking a 15th skull, walking a group of um, indigenous people and other people with ties to the event. We'll be walking that 15th skull from the Wisteria Hearst site to the ofrenda site, placing it on the altar to close the event. And that skull will represent everyone who's lost their lives since we started the production pro project. Wow. Um, so as a way to kind of close that circle to say goodbye. Um, you know, so that's, that's where we're at and that's where we're going wow. hard for the next three weeks. That's that is so powerful. Yeah. I, I am, yeah. I've gotten chills. No. I've teared up and I just, I like, I think it really speaks to the importance of art mm -hmm. and organizations like attack bear that, um, you know, focus on like community based, mm -hmm. um, like activism type of art. I mean, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. And I got it. We've got to go, we've got to go and see this stomping Jen. We're going to get down. Yeah. There. Yeah. Please, please come down on the 31st. <sighs> um, check it out. You know, we've got to thank the new England foundation for the arts, yeah. um, NIFA, you know, for their, um, for their funding this, um, you know, we, we really, um, Kim, Kim, the, the director of the, the spatial justice grant program has been such a huge advocate and, you know, they, they really, the, the money, this would have happened one way or the other, but the money allows us the ability to really, um, to not ask more of the community in a time when the community's hurting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we really got to thank them. It's, wow. it's super, super nice. Jesus. Well, I mean, I think this is a good place to yeah. leave this. Don't I, you stop? I, I do. Jason, yeah. what do you think? Yeah. I am, I am 100% okay. cool with that. <laughs> All right. So I just, I, I have to say it again um, to you. Thank you for coming on and sharing um, your thoughts um, about this project and some of the broader um, social and political um, uh, concepts related to that. I, I mean, yeah. I, 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 you know, uh, I, I feel like I, I feel like I've gotten some real insight yeah. in, into some things, and I'm going to walk away from this conversation thinking really deeply about some of that stuff. Yeah. Um, so, um, thank you, thank you, thank you uh, from the bottom of our hearts um, to our yeah, listeners. To our listeners, please, 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 um, if you're in the Western Mass area, um, support support this project that Attack Bear Press and so many of the other organizations you heard about are are helping to put on. I think um, th this is this is going to be a, a an important event in our community. Yep. So, um, and please submit photos, please, yep. please. We cannot, I've got to use my budget yep. and <laughs> I, I will have, I will have the link in the show notes yep. and I will be posting it on the social media posts, um, for people how to do that. So, yep. um, without further ado, I'll just say to our listeners, you know, this is going out to you with a lot of love. We love you all. Thank you very much for listening. Stomping Jen. Wear a mask. Wear a mask. Vote. Vote. Yep. Um, Jason, any, any final thoughts or closing words? Uh, you know, just, just love each other. Like, you know, my grandmother's in the hospital with COVID right now. <sighs> like take care of those who took care of you. I mean, all right. Yeah, that's it. That's good. That's good. Let's hit the music, all right? All right. Okay. Bye now. Bye now. Bye.
evening, my fellow Americans. America knows that this world of ours, ever growing smaller, must avoid becoming a community of dreadful fear and hate. Those who have freedom will understand also its heavy responsibility. That all who are insensitive to the needs of others will learn charity. And that the sources, scourges of poverty, disease, and ignorance will be made disappear from the earth. And that in the goodness of time, all peoples will come to live together in a peace guaranteed 